Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You have four pair of backup shoes. Uh, I do. And you are considering subbing out only one yes, shoe. Yes, yes, or, or not. Imagine or, what this might do to your gait. This might mess up your feet. So what I'm thinking no, is, very comfortable. you have this is like a, this is like when you sub in new socks. You have to get rid of the entire drawer at the same time because you don't know what could happen when you match up an old sock with a new sock. So what I'm what I'm thinking, what would is, you do? You are now relegated. Yeah, and you're this. a child of privilege, so oh, it's, yeah. it's well, this is, You didn't grow up in the are, depression like I did. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I'm just going through the emails to see if there's anything worth talking about before we start the show. I got one. I did not check. Please lift and raise your right foot from under <laughs> Uncle Benny's table. Thank yeah, you, Michael. There it is. I'm still wearing it. I'm As still... expected. Yeah, I'm wearing this shoe with a hole now, in it. Now you have forgiveness considering the weather we've had for well, two it's days. bad weather. So this comes from uh, Daphne Zhao in the sales department. And it just says, hi, friend. Beanies are hot selling now. Common beanies, pom-pom beanies, fleece beanies, and other styles are available for customizing. Would you like to order some? Uh, we can manufacture them with different fabrics and techniques for you. If you are interested, please feel free to contact me. Why Why would we get this? Why would we get this? It's obviously spam from somewhere. It just struck me as entirely amusing. Because I know we've often talked. We sat around for hours on end talking about how do we get great beanies. And I beanies. thought, well, this is the answer to it. Yes. Always totally with nuts. the pom-pom. <clears throat> totally nuts. Um, yeah. So I go through the email before we do the show, and then most of the email today is going to be about the shoes, <clears throat> which is fine. There was some other one about sports that I wanted to get to, but I've lost control of it. I don't know where I put it, so eventually we'll get it. Let, let me just say that we, we will start the show today with overnight news and with other sorts of news that I think is appropriate uh, the two baseball hires, and Mark, Mark Feinsand will be with us, so we can talk to him about this. Tony La Russa, at 76 years old, got hired to manage the Chicago White Sox. This is a hire made by Jerry Reinsdorf to correct what Jerry Reinsdorf believes is the greatest mistake in his life. He allowed Ken Harrelson in 1980-something or other to fire Tony La Russa from the Chicago White Sox, which was the team that Reinsdorf controlled. And LaRusso went on to become a Hall of Fame manager to win three different World Series, one with Oakland and two with St. Louis, and to just be great. And so we went and got him back, but he's 76. Now I'm 72, so I have skin in the game here. I sat at a table with Tony LaRusso a couple of years ago at a dinner, thought he was brilliant, didn't have no idea how old he was because it didn't really matter. And now apparently the criticism is, he won't be able to relate to younger players. I, I, don't, I don't buy that on any level. I mean, I can tell you, not so much in the attic, but when I go to the studio, which I have did for 18 and a half years, being around younger people always opened me up to newer ideas and kept me alive. Uh, and I just think it would with anybody. So I don't, I don't buy that. Plus, if I'm Tony La Russa, when I meet with my team... I put my three rings on my fingers. Right. What was he doing the last time he was managing? Yeah, he was in game seven winning a World Series. I put my rings on my fingers and I say, this seems to be our collective goal. Do you want to follow me or you want to do it on your own? So 
With, with those criticisms, we, we forget that there are different leadership styles, and it's dismissive to players to think that they can't, you know, they don't necessarily have the appreciation for the history of the game, which they do, and they recognize good, great leadership. So it'll be interesting to see that. And you don't necessarily think this will be something that's felt in, say, the next year or two, maybe with him at the helm, maybe not. But you look at it, what it might be down the road, because this is still a very young team that good team. needs a lot of talent, needs time yeah, to mature. I was very surprised that they fired Rick Renteria when he made the playoffs and was 35 and 25. I was very surprised at that. But Larusa makes sense because I understand the dynamic with Jerry Reinsdorf. A.J. Hinch is apparently going to, we'll ask Feinstein about this too, is apparently going to be hired by Detroit. Detroit's a terrible team. It's not a good place to go if you're managing for the first time because after two years you'll be fired. But Hinch is a great manager. Everybody says that. The last time we saw Hinch, he was in a Game 7 in the World Series. So we sort of think he knows what he's doing. Thanks for leaving Granky in. Yeah, the yes, the <laughs> largest story of the night overnight is Trevor Lawrence testing positive for coronavirus. Now, to put this in some sort of perspective, Trevor Lawrence is a college kid. A lot of college kids are testing positive for coronavirus. It is unlikely, unlikely through all of the research that has been done, that this will have a catastrophic effect on him. Don't know, but it's unlikely at his age um, to have a catastrophic effect. But it's a big deal. It's a big deal forget that it's a big deal for Trevor Lawrence and we don't know how it will affect him. It's a big deal for college football. It doesn't really matter that he's going to miss the BC game because Clemson can beat BC with anybody they've got as quarterback, I think. But the next game, next Saturday, is Notre Dame. And depending upon when he is cleared to play, if he is cleared to play, he's got to spend 10 days out on the ACC protocols. Would they change it for him? Sure. Of course they would. It's like, would the Big Ten change things for Ohio State? Of course so, they would. So it was released on a Thursday. Is that Was the test done earlier on? Yes, Wednesday. On okay. Test was done on Wednesday, so he could have had symptoms Tuesday. Could have, conceivably. And then he would be eligible to play if he goes through the protocol and tests negative after that. That's a real big deal uh, because you want to get four teams into the playoffs. If Notre Dame beats Clemson, I don't think it knocks out Clemson because Clemson can say we didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but it might put Notre Dame in, you know, and then that's two ACC teams and that leaves room for Alabama and Ohio State, but not necessarily Alabama and Georgia or the winner between the loser rather between Alabama and Georgia if there's a rematch. So I don't know what, what do you think? The, the first thing I noticed is when Clemson makes the statement that Trevor Lawrence has allowed us to release this information. Well, he has that right. I know he has that right, but I think that's a very, it's a very telling thing to start with. And this comes back to what we saw earlier with the injury that Prescott uh, suffered from and also with the prospects of if he went on the path that he was going to have, would he want to go play with, say, the Jets? And yep. this gives you the total out to say, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to take some more time. But then you also start wondering... What does this necessarily mean for you know future stock? And you think about injuries, say, with pitchers, how and when do you want to release certain surgeries and what that might mean for rehabilitation and future deals? And you look here, he is a young man, but yep. what does this necessarily mean for a rookie deal? What does this mean when you try and make the money on the second contract? And they can always circle back, and we still don't know what this might do. We think about what this might do with, with the heart, what this might do in certain game situations. So we've got Jason Lock and Ford to talk about that, which is what I'm sure he's interested in. All of those points 
are interesting. Is he still the number one draft pick? Are you certain? What do you want to do? Does he say, I don't want to play at all now? I just want to get ready for the draft. Or does he say, I don't want to play for the Jets? You know, I just they're going to draft me if they get the chance, and I don't want to play for and the now Jets. Now you have two of the biggest names in college football who have you know who have publicly come out having suffered from these diagnoses. No, just with you know coaching side and now from the oh yeah, side. The Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, right? Nick Saban was yeah. positive. Yeah. So you never know with all of these things. Those are the the larger stories. I don't really want to talk about my shoes again. I mean, I will. Are you aware that there's a light on in the little house? Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, the, the upstairs light yeah, is it's on. But season. it's not on all the time. It's on a timer. I oh, think it's I thought, so you're not going in there turning it on and off. Well, I'm not. Somebody else might be. But no, I'm not. We have a standing bet in my house, which is what amount of money would it take for Liz to stay in the little house overnight? You can't stay in it. No, it's <laughs> But it's at a certain point, it would be worth it. Well, yeah, but who's going to give her that money? I was sort of hoping you would. No, well, I'm not. That's no, I'm not because I think it's a foolish. You just check on her in the morning. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice idea. Pacing up and down the hall. Oh, it, it's inhospitable. Safe. It has no heat. It has no water. It's dry. Uh, it is dry. There's a sleeper porch. Uh, it's very cold right now to be on that sleeper porch. I think it's a little bit too cold. We also apparently see. have. Did I say something about steel that people thought was funny? Because there seemed to be emails about that. What did I say about steel? About we growing about steel. S- steel from Sweden, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's like it's steel. It's not potatoes. I think was what you said, or something like that. that it's it's gr- not. Yes, right. that it, you, you can't grow it like potatoes. I think was, was your was your contention. No, you don't plant steel in the same way you plant a potato. <laughs> yes. You know, you plant a potato, you get a potato. That's how it works. Um. Is it going to be freezing? Are, are all the are all the vegetables done, Michael? Low of tomorrow morning in the twenties in the two hundred one. In actual, an actual low. An actual low, like tomorrow morning, twenty four hours from now or the next day. Twenty four hours from right now. Ooh, well, then why am have I- you figured out your trick or treating plan yet? Are you going to have candy? Yes, we have candy. I'm going to put it in a basket of sorts. I will go out there and replenish it. I do not want to be very honest. I do not want people coming up into my porch and ringing my, my I don't want that. I think it's fair. If and you, I don't think if they you should. you put the, the plant stand out in yes. front of the porch, that's what I'm going to do. Far side and put a bowl and go out there that's every 30 minutes and yep. just put 20 pieces down. Do you know what people are doing in my neighborhood? No. So they have these, uh, essentially they're like pneumatic tubes that are up on your porch. Oh, and they just send the candy down? And vroom, shoot it down. Yeah. I don't have that. I don't, I'm not concerned about that. I, I have... Talk to a variety of people as I walk the dog, people with children, and I say, are you expecting, are you going to do Halloween? And they all say, we don't think there'll be a lot of people coming to the house, but we are, you know, the, the decorations are more voluminous than ever, actually. But I, I don't know. I don't want, I think it's unwise for parents to allow children or to themselves Walk into people's homes. I just think that's very unwise. Well, walking I don't into want their that. homes is a different kind of trick or treating. Well, even I mean, I don't even onto the. What property. a lot of neighborhoods with little kids are doing is they're setting up. They're planning. They, yeah, they're they're planning routes. So it would be one street, and and that's it fine. might be the largest street, and they're going to say, "Please volunteer at a table and have the tables twenty feet apart." And, and and all of that is fine. But I I mean, if I get the usual teenagers, I don't want them. I just don't want them. So I'm going to put the candy out. Just and flick see what, the lights on and off. I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna. It's poop again. Yeah, I don't know what to do. 
I don't. It's, don't put it out with your boot, Most man. of the time when I, when I arrive at circumstances like this and I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm, I fret over them. I just, We've been talking about this for a month now. I think it is, it is imprudent for parents to enter the spaces of other people's property given the virus. I do. It is spread in an aerosol way, and the only way to not get it is to not have any contact. So don't do it. I mean, no one's going to listen to me, but I don't want them in here. I don't want to chase them away, but what would you I want do to if discourage you put out, it. If you put out a bowl of candy, 25 pieces, you put it yeah. out at 6.15. And one and kid took them all? And you're staring out the window, and you right, see one kid, take one, look around left, right, left again. I'll, do, I'll go out there and go, hey, hey, put it back. <laughs> Is that my ball? You know, put it back. Because that's not, that's not in the spirit of sharing. What if no, you put some of those Pro V's from Pinehurst? I'm not doing that. In the bucket. I'm not doing that. I want them. I want to lose them myself. Let's take a break. Uh, we will come back with Jason. Yes, Jason Lockenfora when we return. That's right. Am I correct on this? Good. And yes. he can explain the Trevor Lawrence thing to the degree that he understands it when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, this is the Harry's ad, so we'll get to the steel part in a little while. Harry's just came out with their sharpest blades ever, and unlike some other razor companies, which they don't name in this ad, they're not charging you more for their product improvements. There are only two razor companies, to my knowledge, Schick and Gillette. But right? they make you think about it. You know, and so you wonder, is it both of them? Is it one of them? Is it neither? Harry's new sharper blades are still as low as $2. New U.S. customers, I, why just U.S. customers? What happened to Canada or Mexico? They're close. They're on the border. Can redeem a trial offer of Harry's new sharper blades by going to harrys.com slash Tony K. All right, this is the thing. This is the thing I want to read. Other razor companies have increased their prices when they introduce something new. Harry is delivering, delivering their sharpest shave ever, and they aren't raising prices. These new blades are so sharp that in a study with guys shaving four times a week, the guys, guys, reported that with Harry's new blades, their eighth shave was as smooth as their first. Okay, so they went over two weeks then. They didn't go just in one week, or else they'd be werewolves at that point. How do they deliver quality at such a low price? Here's the thing. Harry's owns a German factory that's been honing razor blades for 100 years. They source their steel from Sweden and own the entire manufacturing process from R&D to the factory floor. This allows them to keep prices low. R&D is research and development. So this leads you to believe they own the steel as it is being manufactured. In the IP. Is it being grown? In, is it, do they own the ground that the steel comes from? It doesn't come as steel, right? It comes as iron ore? Is that, mm. I don't yes. know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. All my, posi my position is simply this. You don't take a piece of steel and put it in the ground and expect it to grow more steel like you do with a potato butt. Not with that attitude. You don't. You don't. Blades are delivered directly to your door on schedule, with or without a subscription. Give Harry's Sharpest Blades a try. Harry's has a new amazing offer for listeners of my show, new U.S. customers, or anybody else as far as I'm concerned. Can redeem a Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash Tony K. You get a five-blade razor. Featuring their new sharper blades, a weighted handle, foaming shave gel with aloe, and a travel cover to protect the blade when you're on the go. Just go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash Tony K and redeem your trial offer today. And what do we say, people? Use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. 
This is the Beer Barrel Poker. And the letter comes this way. Good afternoon. My name is Sergeant First Class Ty Tedrick. I'm a tuba player with the 78th Army Band stationed in Fort Dix, New Jersey. This past weekend, our unit's poker band put out a virtual Oktoberfest concert, and I've attached an MP3 recording of us playing the Beer Barrel Poker. I've been a longtime listener since the days of the delayed podcast. My favorite part of the show is March Madness bracket picking. I know I'm in the minority of listeners for that segment. I thought I should speak up. Hope you play the recording, and please excuse any typos or grammatical errors. After all, I was a music major, not an English major. <laughs> Ty Tedrick, this is fantastic. It's the Beer Barrel Polka. You can listen to this at the end of the show without me stupidly interrupting it. And it plays in Jason Locke and Four of CBS Sports and his own podcast in Baltimore. Let's, let's get to the news. And I know it's not NFL news per se because Trevor Lawrence is not in the NFL at the moment, but he's likely to be the number one draft pick. And there's much speculation as to whether or not he'll return to college rather than play for the Jets and what his position is going to be. And now that he's tested positive for coronavirus, does that alter the thinking about him in any way in your opinion, Jason? Um, I don't think so, Tone. No. Uh, I, I think he's the first overall pick of this draft. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, yep. He's coming He's coming out of school. I, I think that's uh, much ado about nothing. And uh, while this obviously will take him out of the mix for playing any football games uh, for Clemson and for you know a week or two, um, I don't think it affects his draft stock whatsoever. I don't think it... Uh, it affects anything regarding his pro career, although it obviously um, affects his team season. Do you think it's possible? I mean, on a, on a scale of one to a hundred, what do you think the possibility number is? Is that he says, you know, I don't really want to play for the Jets. Do something with me, like you did with Elway and Eli. Um, I mean, it's it's a number. Uh, what number? I, ugh. Not high, not real high in your mind. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's super high. I, I, you know, the Jets. This situation is interesting to me though because the Jets have Sam Darnold, who, while they would certainly want to move on from him to get Lawrence, if that's who's sitting there um, at their pick, you know, it's it's not out of the question they move on with Sam Darnold, and there would be so many teams that want to move up for this kid that. Um, I don't think they'd be short on offers, so he'd have a right. little bit of a, of a you know, a, some leverage there if, if he wanted to try to make it clear to them that I really don't want to be here. And that young GM Joe Douglas is already um, in a situation where there's chaos in that building, there's there's tension and tumult in that building. What's new? Uh, you know, they're going to fire Adam Gase, and and you know Joe Douglas is already under fire himself, so. You know, if his agents, you know, wanted to kind of capitalize on that a little bit and, and make Joe Douglas squirm a little more and, 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 yeah. and try to finagle his way out, I guess it's, it's conceivable. I think the thing you have to keep in mind, though, is the teams that are most likely to trade up for him are a complete disaster, too. Like, what have the Jacksonville Jaguars accomplished? You know what I mean? Under Shad Khan. I mean, they won playoff run. But, like, is that – I mean, wasn't that long ago they traded Calais Campbell for a five and – Jalen Ramsey, get me the hell out of here, and Yannick Ngakwe, yep. I'll take right. $6 million less to play anywhere but here. So, like, be careful what you wish for, you know? Um, I guess in your perfect world, maybe you're getting with Belichick and that staff and Josh McDaniels if you can. Um, 
and they would certainly be able to make a move like that if, if they wanted to um, and, and, and trade a ton of picks. Uh, but it, it's very hard to, to, you know what I mean, configure it in a way that you get to the one or two places that you think would be so much better than what you're likely looking at. I mean, the Giants are the Giants. I mean, has Dave Gettleman run that thing in any sort of fashion that makes you think if he's still there? Or even just that ownership group, that you take it all the way back, you know, to how they handled Lawrence, uh, was it Lawrence Tynes or the, the kicker who, uh, you know, they, they had domestic violence issues that they came yes. down on the wrong side of. Yes. The way they hired Joe Judge. I mean, oh, we might lose him to Mississippi State. We better hire him right now, stop the process. I mean, have they done things in a cogent, rational, uh, progressive manner in the last, I don't know, eight years, even how they hired, I mean, how they handled Coughlin's firing? Like, no. So, you know, uh, uh, the Jets are bad, and the Jets are a unique kind of bad, but there's a lot of bad franchises in this league, unfortunately. I should ask you this. Um, is, like in the NBA, the fact that the Knicks are terrible has no effect really on the NBA. Because the NBA has been basically built by the Celtics and the Lakers. It, it, the Knicks don't matter. They were never any yeah. good. The Yankees, when the Yankees are bad, it matters to baseball. When the Yankees and Mets are bad, it matters to baseball. Both the Giants and Jets are awful. They're awful. But does that matter to the NFL, which seems to be the one foolproof sports league in America? Does it matter? Um, I, I think it, it matters uh, to their broadcast partners. Uh, and so, therefore, yeah. it matters to the league, but the way that the, the deals are, you know, the, the television deals are structured um, in this league and with outside of the preseason, there being no local deals and those big national franchises that, you know, could attract a ton of eyeballs if they're any good locally. Those, you know, those people deciding to do something else on a Sunday afternoon, uh, I think that certainly has an effect and it has a financial effect. And so, to that regard, uh, because of the way they re- revenue share, it affects the other owners, and not that they necessarily want those teams to be juggernauts because they're not rooting for any other franchise, but you'd like them to be more competitive than they are so that people aren't already tuning them out you know, in the greater New York metropolitan area and mass by week two. Yeah. Uh, you know, that people are like, this really isn't worth my time. Like, I really don't need to watch this caliber of football. And then those teams tend to still get on a national platform um, a little bit as well. And then that's, that's not ideal when, um, you know, that you keep – like, I think people already have Giants fatigue um, because of the few games they played on national television, including what the Steelers week one. You know, I think people are like, yeah, okay. I've seen that story before uh, the last couple of years. I know how that one well, goes. Give they're on Monday different. night. They're on this yeah, coming Monday night yeah, I mean, against Tampa on... Bay. Now, they, is that game going to be played? They've got COVID issues. The we'll Giants. see. Stay tuned. Uh, you know, things. we saw them flex out a, a game last week out of a, a window like that to make sure, um, out of a, an abundance Oakland. of caution, Tone. Yeah, That's to right. make sure that Oakland. somebody was going to be Not playing Oakland, there. I mean, and that it, Vegas. Uh, yeah. So it's possible um, today, you know, we'll get more numbers in uh, Friday and then Saturday and see what direction things are trending in. Uh, but you, you know, their, be flexible. Hope, their hope is that it's the quarantine um, of the close contacts has basically limited to that position group, but we'll see. I'm just going to say the NFL this year, like all sports, they have to be limber and they have to be flexible. Mm. 
They have to be. And all the players seem to understand that, and all the coaches seem to understand that, right? That it's different. It's just different. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But I I do think, you know, there there is some concern that as the weather turns even more, um, and as you're you're hearing health officials say, hey, don't even have a lot of family in your house for Thanksgiving, people you know, because it's spreading in small groups, it's not – doesn't have to be a super spreader event. And then, Tony, we just said it's a league of haves and have-nots. I think there's nine teams uh, with one win or fewer. You know, are some of those guys going to mentally check out and, and just say, bleep it, I am going to go to that? Well, we saw, what the, we saw some Giants players in New York City last weekend, right? And video emerges of these guys out. And we don't know the exact context of it, and the league and the team are investigating that. But – it's fair to at least wonder if as these seasons start falling by the wayside before the holidays, you know, if we're going to have the same sort of vigilance with this that we've seen by and large or across the league. Yeah. Uh, let me get to a couple of football questions. Antonio Brown to Tampa Bay. What's the over-under on games played for Antonio Brown before he goes on Instagram and insults Bruce Arians and has right. to be thrown it's out? That's a great question. That's um, a great question. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't know that anybody does. There will be uh, an infinite amount of positive peer pressure on him in that building from players and coaches. Uh, but he's an adult. You know, he's tended to Soil. get himself in trouble repeatedly, um, yep. rapidly. Once he gets within these structures again, once he's within a team team concept. The reality is that has tended to bring up the worst in him, um, from Pittsburgh to the Raiders to the Patriots in, in a very short period of time. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think okay. the games that he's available for, he'll be a factor. Um, I, I, you know, there's people who will tell you that he's, you know, he's got some counseling and he's talking to Tony Robbins and, you know, Tom Brady has tried to set up this life plan for him. And, and and all that stuff. But whew, I don't know, Tone. Once he's on the big stage and he has a big game and, and if he does come back to social media or if he does interact with, with people, um, you know, down there in Tampa, if, 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 if he's not walking the line, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I, my hunch is just a total guess that he guts it out and they got it out, and they get through this season. But I, I say that with no great, yeah. uh, you know, it's I, 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 a guess. I don't assert it with any real um, knowledge. I don't, I, don't, I don't know him well enough. Let's get to uh, the game you've got. You don't even have to leave home for it. Steelers at Ravens. That's a big, big game. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, um, it's always fun when these two get together. They know each other so well. Um, they tend to be games that go down to the wire, uh, no matter what the standings say. And the standings say in this instance that they're both really good football teams. Yep. Um, you know, at some point, Baltimore's got to unlock more to its offense. The passing game has to be more than Andrews and Hollywood Brown. Um, it can't be that predictable. And it, it's got to play in quadrants of the field that aren't in play right now. Deep middle, deep left, deep right. Um, and even more horizontally, sideline to sideline, it's got to expand in that regard. I'm not sure this is the week that that happens against this particular defense, you know, and all the athletes that they um, have at their disposal and their ability to really get a pass rush with four 
sometimes even three, against an offensive line that's going through some growing pains and that, um, you know, is without its best player from the last decade, Marshall Yonda, who tended to be so exemplary in, in these games, um, all games, but certainly big games, and, and Steelers Week is a big game. Um, if you recall, the Titans' uh, COVID outbreak affected the bye weeks here, so, so, you know, these teams were both supposed to be playing this game coming off a bye. Now only the Ravens were the Steelers' bye got moved to, like, whatever that was, week three with yeah. the Titans' situation. So that's a factor. Um, you know, and what, they're letting fans in M&T Bank Stadium, whatever it is, 4,000, 6,000. I, I don't think that makes a difference, and I don't think um, that's going to be any sort of true home field advantage. So I, I'm leaning Steelers here. I think it'll be a competitive game. Um, if the Ravens do win, I, I think you see, like, Lamar Jackson is, is – Last year, rushed 12.5 times a game. This year, it's like 8.3. If the Ravens win this game, I think Lamar is over last year's average total of 12.5 rushes. I, I think he's probably got to rush okay. the ball 15 times or more for them to win this game. All right, I'll ask you one more question, and then I'll have you plug your radio show. The trouble in New England, is this now real trouble in New England? I mean, they don't have any personnel on offense who can win. They don't have winning players. Like, if you're a baseball person and you're familiar with war, uh, you know, wins above replacement. I, I mean, outside yeah. of maybe, you know, uh, a couple of guards, there, there are not win, you know, they're not players who would have a positive war on that offense. There, there's just, they just aren't. Uh, and two, they have the most invested in, in terms of career earnings, Julian Edelman, and draft capital, you know, and Keel Harry, who went in the first round a couple of years ago, um, they don't even look like they're going to be available for a little while. They're out. Uh, yeah, they're out. It was not yeah. good with them, but and and they're not speed guys. They're not um, they're not size guys. They're not physical difference makers. And the boy, they're desperate for some physical difference makers. But that was the best they had. Um, the offensive line remains um, a hodgepodge. Uh, a lot of injuries there. A lot of guys shift into different positions. It, it's a mess. Tony and the defense, I think, has slipped a little bit because it's it's human nature. You keep looking at those other guys go three and out and balls, you know, on the ground the whole time yeah. and yeah. bad passes and and it tends to uh, sap your enthusiasm. So uh, we'll see what they do before Tuesday's trade deadline. It'll tell a lot about how close Bill Belichick thinks they are to winning. It's clear they desperately need pass catchers, plural, multiple tight ends and receivers. Um, and he's, we've seen him, we traded a two for Mohamed Sanu last year, who was at the end. And, and we've seen him make moves in desperation because he still thinks they can do something in that division. And I don't think that division is great. Buffalo's come back down to earth in a big way. But if they lose this game, I just wonder if Belichick kind of just says, you know what, we're going to ride this out. Um, we're going to keep those draft picks, and we'll go wild next offseason. But there's not much to salvage here. It'll be very telling. Okay. Plug your show. Uh, you can hear more yeah. of this great analysis, Tone. I put it's actually good. An, it is great analysis. It is. actually is. <laughs> it actually it is. is. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you having me on. But yeah, from 2 to 6, you can yes. hear myself and Ken Weinman and a whole array of guests talking primarily football this time of year, a little bit of baseball. Um, Tony La Russa, how about that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Yeah, that's going to yeah. blow up. But anyway, 2-6 to six <laughs> on 105.7 The Fan uh, in Baltimore or streaming live on the Radio.com app. Thank you, guys. Have a great yes, weekend. Copper. Thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, Talk to you next week. That's okay, good. Thanks, guys. Jason Lockenfora, <laughs> Jason Lockenfora, boys and girls. 
We will take a break. When we return uh, in the next segment, both Mark Feinstein and Jeff Ma. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Businesses have had to be flexible this year from working remotely to pivoting their business models for long-term survival and growth. Restaurants are moving their dining outdoors, adding takeout. Consumer packaged good companies have shifted to focus more on surface cleaners of personal hygiene products. Major retailers selling face masks. If you're in charge of hiring for your business, these pivots have made your job even more challenging, especially if you have to hire for brand new roles. Thankfully, there's one place you can always count on to make hiring faster and easier. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with one click. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people, my throat is bad, <clears throat> with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. So it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's good. If you're changing your business around and you need to hire, you want good candidates. See for yourself right now. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And again, use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called As We Rise. It's by the official rock band of this show, the Ozark Mountain Daredevils. Dwight Glenn sent it in to us. It says, obviously, we haven't been able to perform live shows in 2020, which I believe has become the curse word used to describe all craziness this year has presented. But it doesn't stop a group of songwriters from writing songs. Two of our members, John Dillon and Rule Chapel, felt inspired by the passing of John Lewis to write a song of universal healing. It is in no way political because politics have no place in healing the world of outdated stereotypes. Again, it's called As We Rise. This song can be heard in its entirety without me yapping over it at the end of the show. Michael, if people like the Ozark Mountain Daredevils want to send stuff in, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. We selling anything? Not right now. Okay, good. People know where to go. Jeff Ma joins us. Rough week. That was a rough week. One, four, and one. Overall, 15, 17, and 2. Um, I know you're not discouraged, and I know Bet the Process podcast is out and, and encouraging people to understand how to pick games and, and why you pick what you do. Um, when you have a bad week, how do you feel? Uh, I mean, you don't feel great. Losing money right. is, is not fun, and losing money <laughs> for the, uh, the TK listeners is obviously not so fun either. So, right. Uh, you know, it's, you, you always evaluate the process. Um, last week was a strange week. You know, you had the Cleveland game. If he just makes the extra point, that becomes a win. And then yep. you, had a, uh, you had a Chargers-Jacksonville game where – Jacksonville is getting over a touchdown and they're winning by a touchdown at the end of the third quarter and somehow managed to lose by 10. Um, and you have a Seattle team, which if arguably a special teams player doesn't try to be a hero on a field goal, they probably cover that game also. So, you know, we were probably a couple plays away from um, realistically from a winning week, but you know, that's unfortunately we weren't. And so the, the reality is the reality, and, and we, we had a bad week. 
I, I don't know what you're going to pick. I never do. The Jets are getting 19 and a half. Are you, are you going to pick them? Are you going to? Well, it's funny how last week we talked about the Jets game, and I said I would probably right. look to back them in a situation where Darnold was playing. I didn't think Darnold was going to be playing last week, and then he got announced he was playing, and, and they did cover and they last covered. week. They um, covered, yeah. Yeah, they did. They did, and I missed huh? it, sadly. And <laughs> No, I, I, I'm i not going to be picking them this week. Um, okay. I, I do think that line is a little bit too high, um, but – Certainly, um, nineteen and a half, and and it opened at twenty one and got bet down to nineteen and a half. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I still think there's some value there. There's always going to be value against the Jets because people think they stink, and people really do. But that's not one of my they, picks this week, unfortunately. All right, give us your picks. I'm going to take Baltimore minus the three and a half against the Steelers. This was on a look ahead line was was five and a half. Obviously, everyone loves the Steelers especially off the performance last week against Tennessee. Um, but I think this is a great spot for Baltimore. Um, and I think the line is a little bit too short. So I expect Baltimore to win this game by a touchdown or so. Okay, that's good. What else? I'm going to take Cleveland minus the two and a half against the, the uh, Raiders. The Browns have been an interesting team this this year, certainly um, with, you know, uh, with um, Beckham, being out for yeah. you know, the, the 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 thought, right? Obviously, is that um, that the wide receivers like a wide receiver like him is so valuable, and that's why I think you're getting some line value here. Um, but wide receivers aren't that valuable to the point spread. Um, you know, maybe he's a special case, but I again think this is a little bit of a reaction. I think the line's short. The Raiders have a a, a very bad defense, and I expect. Um, Cleveland to win this game and less than a field goal at home is 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 too much is too little for me to pass up I guess. Okay, um, uh, yeah, that Cleveland is an interesting team. They have been killed by two very good teams, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and they've been competitive in every other game and won a bunch of them. So what else? We're gonna take Green Bay minus the six against Minnesota. Um, this is a case where, you know, when people use models or build models, they have priors, which means, okay, what, what did my model say this team was like going into the season? Meaning there's some consistency from season to season. Um, you, you need to use priors, i.e. what the anticipation of Minnesota and Green Bay would have been going in. Minnesota has not been a very good team this year. That's right. And Green Bay obviously has been a very good team this year. So, uh, depending on how much you incorporate model uh, priors, in my model, typically we, we weigh priors a bit less, and I think Green Bay minus a six is is value here. Have you seen that Aaron Rodgers is saying what a great coach uh, Mike Zimmer is? He's seven four and one against Zimmer lifetime. I think he wants to keep Zimmer in Minnesota and play him for the rest of his life. I think that's what he wants to do. Yeah, what else? What else a, do you have for us? That's just smart. We're going to take yeah. Seattle. What do you guys have as the Seattle line? Um, I, I, is it two and a half or three? Michael is looking this up now. Who do they play? This is a rebound they game for the 49ers. For okay. They play the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm going to take Seattle minus the three or two and a half, whichever you have it at. Um, we had it at I three. Think, yeah, they, we have it at three. Three. Okay. We're going to take Seattle minus the three. Um, you know, San Francisco obviously has had, um, Two great wins back to back. The 
you know, the Rams game, which they surprised people in and then traveled all the way yep. East coast to yep. New England. But that is, that is taxing and they have had a ton of injuries in Seattle um, you know, everyone watched that Sunday night game and watched them blow that lead, but the reality was they were good enough to get that lead. Um, and I think they just got very conservative offensively in the second half. It was just a weird second half for, for them to only score seven points after that first half. That seems almost in, impossible. So I like Seattle minus the three here. Okay. What else? And then we're going to, we're going to take the Broncos plus the three at home against the Chargers. Um, Obviously, everyone's fallen in love with Justin Herbert, um, but he's still yes. a rookie quarterback, and he's going against a Denver defense that is a pretty good defense. Um, I actually think these teams are much closer to even than people would think, um, even though Denver's coming off a you know a, a, a pretty sizable loss to probably what's the best team in the NFL. Um, I I like them here plus the three at home, which is which is you know, quite a bit of points at home in a situation. You know, I think people are struggling a little bit to understand what's the value of home field this year. Um, but I do think Denver getting the three here at home is, is value against the Chargers. Well, the value to their home field, it is geographically, it is far different than what the Chargers are used to. And Herbert has looked great. He has, Jeff. I mean, it's he's looked scary good at this point. Yeah, I mean, he has, certainly. But, like, again, we've talked about the Jacksonville defense being pretty pedestrian. He, he looked yeah. good, very good, at you know, against against a good defense, which is the Saints, obviously. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like here on the road again in, in, in Denver and altitude, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, rookie quarterback still, I, I'll bet against him in this situation getting three points. Okay. Any is that it? Five or are we going six? That's it. We're going five. Five this week. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff's podcast with Rufus Thanks, is bet the process. We love Jeff. We like when you win. We do. We want you to win. Make money for everybody. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Cody. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, and we pivot quickly to Mark Feinstein. Is Mark with us? I think Sean has got to get him on the line first. Okay, then I'll explain. We, well, we, I hope we can get the summer camp 2021 preview. <laughs> As to where he's sending his kids? Well, just are we are we on track for a normal open? We're going to have oh. the best summer yet. Right, Nige? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Exactly. I hope that's true. Okay, so I could vamp for one? No, Mark I just heard myself on an echo. All right, um, so Mark Feinstein of MLB.com joins us, but Michael, say what you want. You no, want... I, just, I, I assume because baseball's over, we're getting the summer camp 2021 preview, right? <laughs> are you are you kids ready for summer camp? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do it. My wife said to me the other day, I would, I would have the kids stay home all year and do remote as long as it guaranteed there was camp next summer. Do you think there will be camp? I think there will be. I don't know how, but I think there will be. Some camps actually actually had opened this past summer and, and seemed to do it somewhat successfully. So at least there might be a blueprint now. Wow. Wow. I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just I, an optimist, just Tony. Just yeah. an eternal optimist. Let me get to the two biggest stories in baseball, bigger even than a recap of the World Series. The first one is Larusa. The second one is Hinch. I mean, Larusa is the biggest story. What are your thoughts on Tony LaRussa going back to Chicago and everyone who seems to say, ooh, very risky, and ooh, they don't like this in the Chicago organization? Well, 
I picked up my jaw off the floor yesterday uh, and yeah, thought about yeah. it for a little while. You, you thought back to, to Tony LaRusso's career, and you know the biggest criticism you heard yesterday is you're bringing in a 76-year-old guy who might not be so open to the whole analytic uh, approach and the front office being involved and all that. Tony LaRusso was one of the first guys to sort of do this kind of thing, right? I mean, his bullpenning and, and you know, his, his approach with the relievers infuriated people when, it, when he was doing it in the 80s and 90s. So, um, you know, he's a guy who's been able to adapt through the years, um, managed for a very long time. The last time we saw him on a field, he was holding a World Series trophy. And the, over the last nine years, he's been in front offices around the league with the Angels, with the Red Sox. Uh, he was the president of the Diamondbacks. So he's seen the game evolve. It's not like he's been, uh, you know, sitting in his house, uh, you know, eating popcorn and watching movies, and all of a sudden he said, you yeah, know, I'm going to get back into baseball now. Uh, so I think he understands what he's getting into. That said, uh, I think the next guy we're going to talk about with A.J. Hinge is the reason why a lot of people uh, in, in the uh, south, side, south side of Chicago are saying, well, what? Why, why isn't that guy our manager? Because he won a World Series three years ago. There's another guy, Alex Cora, who won a World Series two years ago. Uh, why did we have to bring back a guy who's been retired for nine years? Well, let me just put, you know, and I say this because I'm over 70 years old. I mean, and I'm going to root for Tony La Russa to do this. But let me put two names out there. One is Dick Vermeil, who was gone for a long time from coaching, except he was doing television every single week. And he came back and he was really, really good really good and then he just said okay i'm done i don't have to do this anymore he came back with the rams he was really really good and let me give the analogy of pat riley pat riley watches every game the heat play pat riley's at every single game do you think pat riley at 75 years old couldn't coach in the nba because if you think that you're insane i mean pat riley could do that I, th I think you would agree on both of those. I'm not saying it applies automatically to Larusa, but I think to be afraid of his age or where he has been in the last X amount of years, he's been in baseball the last X amount of years, right? Just like Pat Riley is in basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and unlike Vermeil, he doesn't have unfinished business to do. It's not like he never won that World Series. The guy's won three World Series. He's in the Baseball right. Hall of Fame already. Uh, right. He's he's only the second person ever who will manage a game as a already sitting baseball hall of famer and the other one was connie mack so uh you know that's pretty good company to keep uh, in terms of baseball legendary you know figures um yeah i think pat riley could come coach an nba team right now i think tony the is going to do fine i just think it's uh unconventional you know you think back what was it 2003 with jack mckeon uh you know managing 81. The, the marlins was in his 80s so um, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad move. I think this is clearly a Jerry Reinsdorf move. Uh, you know, Jerry mm -hmm. Reinsdorf said, mm -hmm. uh, said that one of his biggest regrets was firing Tony La Russa in 1986. And, uh, you know, clearly this is, uh, I think, I think Reinsdorf's way of sort of making that up and saying we're going to do this now together. And let me tell you, Tony La Russa is inheriting a heck of a ball club. Good the team. The Sox team has a lot, of, a lot of young talent, really good. They were in the playoffs this year. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they spend some money this offseason as well to uh, give him a little more talent to go into the 2021 season. And by the way, if they fail, it will land on him. It will. It'll land on him. People say this is a stupid move. They were 35 and 25 and fired Rick Renteria. I was like, like that's an eye-opener. Why did that happen? And now you know why it happened. Let's go to Hinch. Hinch has served his time. He is allegedly going to manage the Detroit Tigers, a very bad team, um, everyone I talk to thinks he's a really good manager. What do you think? 
Uh, I think he's a really good manager. I'm not sure why he would take the Detroit Tigers job, because that's yeah. a really, really bad team. Uh, and unless he just has surveyed the landscape and doesn't think there's going to be another job out there for him at any point, uh, it's, a, it's a peculiar move to me uh, in that aspect, because I think A.J. Hinch is thought of, even after the scandal, as one of the top managers in the game. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure why that job appeals to him, because that is a brutally bad team with you know, a couple of good young pitchers. But beyond that, really not much else to look forward to. So you don't think he had a fear factor that if I don't take this and I'm seen as ungrateful, I'll never get another job? Uh, you know, I haven't spoken to him, so I don't know what his, his thought process was. But uh, like I said, mm-hmm. unless he, I have to imagine that he and his agent have reached out to the teams with vacancies and, and reached out to some other teams. And he, maybe he looked and said, I don't think there's another job out for me right now, and I, and I want to no. get back in. I'm itching to get back in. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's understandable why he wants to get back in, but... Um, you know, and the Tigers is an interesting hire because they have been one of the least analytic organizations in the game. They, you know, just coming off of a tenure of Ron Garden hire, who's uh, not an analytics type of a manager, and now they're going to a guy who's the polar opposite from that. Uh, so I think it's a great hire for the Tigers and maybe exactly what they need to get themselves back into relevancy. Uh, but, I, you know, from Hinch's side, uh, I have to think that he looked out there and just thought this is going to be my only chance to get back in in 2021. Yeah. Um, let me shift back to the World Series and, and the story that lingers, Justin Turner, defying the protocols. I, I went on television yesterday and I said, uh, I've thought about this for 24 hours. When I found out he was the player rep, I got really angry at myself for not being more condemning of what he did. I mean, you, you're the player rep and you just defy those very protocols that you helped write and sell to your teammates. I. I understand why he wanted to be out there, and I understand why his teammates wanted him, but I think it was wrong. How do you feel? It was selfish. It was 100% selfish, and even when he was approached by Major League Baseball security and said, you, you need to get off the field, he said no. So this yeah. wasn't a case of him saying, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. He was, no. uh, this was a Deliberate. conscious decision on his part to go out there and celebrate in the once-in-a-lifetime. And, uh, you know, my friend Sweeney Murdy, who covers the Yankees for WFAN, uh, said something yesterday about, you know, I understand it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Uh, you know what? Graduations, weddings, bar mitzvahs, etc., those are all once-in-a-lifetime things also, and people haven't been able to go celebrate those for the last year. Get over yourself. Like, it's just, it was selfish. And the fact that Turner actually was one of the people, you know, in, in his player rep role, as you mentioned, who really stressed to the, his teammates all year, <laughs> you have yeah. to follow these protocols. Yeah, it's awful. And except for this time, now I'm going to go out there and do what i got to do. Um, do you think he'll be on the Dodgers next year? He's a free agent. I do. I do. I think he will probably face some sort of a suspension. I would hope at least. I don't know what the plans are there. Uh, but they do need a third baseman. They don't have, you know, it's one of the positions they don't have uh, an obvious successor for. Uh, and coming off of the World Series and, and how important he's been inside and outside that clubhouse uh, mm-hmm. and on that field during the celebration, apparently, uh, I, I think they'll resign him. Can I go all the way back to Cash hooking Snell? Forget, forget what happened. And forget the fact that Anderson was probably the wrong person at that point uh, to pitch to Mookie Betts. Are you okay with Cash taking Snell out at that point, or did you watch that and say, this is a mistake? I was watching it on my, my patio in the backyard with a friend of mine, and uh, the second it happened, I said the Dodgers just won the World Series. So I wow. did not like the move. Uh, okay. 
And I just, this was the one move, Tony, where I think new school and old school people alike sort of converged and said, what is he doing? Because, you know, even, even the people who are perfectly by the numbers, and this is what the numbers tell you to do, thought, look at how that guy's pitching. You can't take him out of the game right there with the way your bullpen is fried and, and what he had struck out the top of the lineup the entire time so far in the game. Uh, I just thought it was, it was a, a mistake that, you know, if Kevin Cash can sleep well this winter, I'd be surprised. Okay. Fair and just winner in the Dodgers, to, considering they'd been cheated before. Fair and just to you, it's the right way it should have ended? Yeah, look, fair and just, I think they're the best team. So uh, regardless of what happened in 2017, regardless of what happened in 2018, in 2020, once again, they were the best team going in, and we we know the best team doesn't always win, uh, but sometimes it does. And this is one of those years where uh, the Dodgers were better than everybody else, and I know our buddy Richie Justice has said that that, uh, it's the best team he's ever seen. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to go that far, but it's certainly in the conversation. Yeah, you know, my my only problem with that is – they left 102 games out. You, you know what I mean? 60 games. Yeah, I don't think you can make that. I think you can say everything trends towards them being one of the great teams, but, but they played 60, and right. stuff and if happens. One, if you play 162, you know, what happens if Walker Bueller throws out his elbow? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, Mookie Betts says some, gets hit by a pitch and fractures his wrist. I mean, things, things happen over the course of 162 that didn't yeah. necessarily happen over 60. Now, I think once you get to the postseason, the postseason this year, I don't think there's any reason to, to you know, sort of put an asterisk next to how the Dodgers won the World Series. In no, October. they went through. They actually, they actually had to win more than any other team had ever That's had to right. win before. So, uh, you know, I look at the postseason as being perfectly representative, but obviously in getting there this year, especially when, when you know, you look at you had a sub-500 team in the Astros there, it was a little different. But, uh, you know, look, the Dodgers have been one of the best teams in the league for a long time, and uh, they finally broke through and got their title. Thank you, Mark. Talk to you soon, I hope. Thanks, Tony. Stay well. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and a jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Butter, shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Earl Butter, shoes, 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 Great take on the Duke of Earl. It is called the Earl of Boder. It is sent us by Father Sean Maloney in Corpus Christi, Texas, the official priest 
the Tony Kornheiser Show, who says, thanks for all that you do to keep us laughing. While I was trying to lay down this horrific attempt at a baseline, the person whom I'm related to by marriage wandered in. Looking perplexed and disturbed, she asked me what I was doing. I tried to explain to her to no avail. She looked at me and said I was an idiot. So the I did the only thing I could think of. I gave her the TK salute. Do you have any more of those mattresses that Jesse likes? Just asking for a friend. Just fantastic. Uh, Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Tony. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Uh, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. We had the bagels today. The other day, we had the bagel sandwiches. Stop on in. You're going to find something you love, and you will always go back because it's fantastic. I guess that's it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say, well, they tempt you, man, with silver. And they tempt you, sir, with gold. And they tempt you with the pleasures that flesh does surely hold. They say, ah, Eve tempted Adam with an apple. Man, I ain't going for that. I know it was her pink Cadillac. That's a Springsteen song. It is a great, great song. If you don't know pink Cadillac, go get it right now. Thanks to our guests, Jason Locke and four of CBS Sports, Mark Feinsand of MLB.com, and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks as well to our sponsors today, Harry's Razors and ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Mark Kelly in Newport, Rhode Island, not Mark Kelly running for the Senate in Arizona. Dear Tony, you seem to like connecting the random dots in the universe, as do I. I thought you might like this. This past weekend, we got together with friends who we hadn't seen since the pandemic began. We were catching up, and the wife says, did you see our neighbor won the Nobel Prize? It turns out that Louise Glick, I can't figure out how to do an umlaut on this machine, is their upstairs neighbor in an unassuming three-story condo in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Not only that, but she presided over their marriage, which they had done quietly. She even called them at 7 a.m. the morning she won with a guess-what phone call. You may also find it amusing that she offered the husband an anthology of her works to read and proceeded to pull out three volumes saying... You don't need to read those. For bonus <laughs> trivia, you had mentioned the Joe Green TV commercial with a little boy a few weeks ago. He's married to a cousin of mine, and I see him at family get-togethers all the time. But the more useless piece of information that his mother is Gloria Ocon, yes, who I'm sure you remember from TV on WPIX, and as a spokesperson from the Arnold Bakeries, I do. That's enough dot connecting for now. Keep up the good work. Uh, dear Mr. Kornheiser, Washington, D.C., on behalf of Bass Shoes, I would like to apologize for the tardiness of this response to your not-so-recent email inquiry. I meant to reply sooner, but the existential weight of my existence got me down, and I had to take a sick month. Unfortunately, I also forgot what your email was regarding, so I'm afraid I can't help you. I did, however, write you this poem. I hope it brings you some solace. Roses are red, violets are blue. As you tra traverse the meaningless meandering roads to the ethereal mist of the unknown, there's a hole in your shoe. Louise Glick. Customer service representative, you know, G.H. Bass and Company. Thank you to Andrew Bracewell for doing that. Dustin Doherty, it is evident to me that as a child of privilege, Michael cannot fully appreciate the concept of shoe equity. As you, a child of the Depression, know all too old. Although he and I shared the same alma mater, I came up hard in the steel plants of working class Malmo, Sweden. Contrary to the popular belief, steel is indeed manufactured and not grown, as you indicate. I can tell you that within three months, nearly all shoes develop holes. For me, the culprit is the right foot, big toe area, and I simply uh, do... Um, not have the leisure time necessary to ponder how my gait may be at fault. If I may be so bold, I would recommend switching to a new pair since you have so much liquidity on the footwear front. However, it is imperative you maintain that shoe equity, so what I do is save the unblemished shoe for future use. You may find yourself in a compromised position in a future vis-a-vis -vis footwear and be in a position to mix and match, and that built-up equity can save you from having to outlay for a new pair whenever that rainy day may come. 
That's a brilliant email. From Danny Mooring. This is amazing. These bass shoes are the wander swearer of shoes. Get them out of there. And I don't mean the defective pair. All the pairs. You can't accept this kind of failure. You should stab them all with cocktail forks, then deport them and try some Clarks. I, I like I like we'll get you I a got. nice pair of chucka boots. Donna M. from Vancouver, Washington. Oh, my God, Tony. Are you really trying to call up the lefty shoe? You have four pair of the same <laughs> shoes. Throw the darn worn pair out and start wearing a new pair. First world problems. By the way, happy 19th anniversary to my favorite couple. Don't know what that means. From uh, G. Grant McGuire. Wilbon, James right. McGuire. Oh, to me and Wilbon. Oh, thank you. You were so good. This morning that I reflexively skipped ahead two minutes to miss podcast advertising. I immediately realized I didn't want to miss you going off script in another commercial. Who knows when that might happen? You might be in the middle of a Lincoln financial ad and start talking about that hole in your shoe. You're the Bill Walton of sportscasters. Oh, I think I was looking for this. Uh, this is Ben in Beverly, Massachusetts. When people Beverly. asked, I, yeah, Beverly, that's, that's not near Revere, is it? No, I, I know it very well. I, I spent a great deal of time in a town next to it called Wynnum. So, yes, I know Beverly okay. very well. When people asked, I used to tell them the pod was a pseudo sports show. From now on, I'll drop the descriptors and just play them the open of Wednesday's show in which you breeze past three perfectly newsworthy <laughs> sports stories in favor of the immortal line, I'm going to take off my right shoe. Thanks for clearing that up. Thanks for clearing that up. And from Chief in Somerville. Is it four pair of shoes or four pairs of shoes? Michael, English Ooh. major. Oh, four which is pair of shoes. Four pair, right? Nate Smith in Vineyard or Vineyard, Utah. Does your left shoe need to quarantine while your right shoe waits for its <laughs> rabbit test result since it appears to be showing symptoms too soon? Too soon? Everything's too soon. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. I hate pumpkins.
Late last night as I lay sleeping, I floated up inside a dream. I could hear some children weeping. I could hear some people scream. I could see the world below me, thousands marching in the heat. There were cries of anguish everywhere, echoing through the streets. Then a man came up beside me and saw the sadness in my eyes. He said, the answer is so simple, and I will show you as we rise. We must tear down every barricade and open every door to the shelter of forgiveness. And in this raging war, cause we all share the same world, the same heart, the same skin. We are all part of the same love that never ends. We are the same as we It will get easier to breathe as we rise above the fray and we can see the path before us and the price that has been paid by the ones no longer with us all those generations lost we must bring the victory home for them no matter what the cost Cause we all share the same world, the same heart, the same skin. We are all part of the same love that never ends. We are the same as we rise. Circles of truth and understanding will forever be expanding, helping all of us to heal as we And burn through the steel of hate and lies as we rise.